and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessie Parker Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah to look back on a enjoyable, confident, um, fun win over Liverpool that we, we saw take place at Stamford Bridge yesterday. Um, Abdullah, we were just kind of saying before we came on, it's one of those funny games whereby it felt so simple that you end up being like, huh. Like, how, how do we break this down? Because it just felt like a very seamless performance in a game which I think felt like it could potentially have been a bit of banana skin. We saw that Liverpool had obviously beaten Arsenal at the Emirates on the opening day. A lot had been made of the fact that, you know, we got back from Madrid at 4am and we were the only teams kicking off on, on the Saturday. Everyone else is playing today on the Sunday. Um, but they made light work of it. Yeah, I mean, I think... I was surprised. Obviously, there have been a few changes in the lineup as well, but just in general, it was surprising to see how we sort of made it easier than it was. And and Liverpool definitely, like obviously, last season, first day of the season against Liverpool was was a, was a big game as well that we lost. And then um, they beat Arsenal at the beginning of this season, and and they've they've caused some teams issues so far. And you know, coming into this game, uh, I actually thought we I thought would be a much closer and much harder game than. Then we were making it, and considering the players that weren't playing, um, I was so surprised, and and the way we kind of dispatched them, and maybe for, maybe for like spells of five minutes here and there throughout the game, Liverpool were doing better, but overall, I don't think um really we would cause too many issues. So yeah, one of those games we are like, what can you take away from the performance other than what we've seen? But yeah, a good good win to come back from a tough schedule in the last week. Yeah, and I think obviously what we can we can talk about today is and i think something that really sort of stands out about this performance is the depth that's being found within this team you know lots of players came in today who who didn't play in midweek um or who didn't start in midweek and put in really important performances so i think that's something that just bodes really well and it just feels like this team right now is Genuinely, it feels like one of the best Chelsea teams I've watched in in quite a long time. I think to make Liverpool look that ordinary, who are a team who've had a really good start to the season, who are a team who know that they could be uncomfortable, it just feels like things are clicking into place. And what's exciting about that is I don't even think some of our best players are like playing that well. Um, but let's do some three-word match reviews uh, to kick off. Damien goes with Chelsea score six, a, a nice reference to Jess Carter getting Liverpool's goal in, in this one. SW6 Daily goes with Lauren Elizabeth James. Didn't know her middle name was Elizabeth, so I haven't fact-tracked that. They might have just made it up. Uh, Michael goes with Lauren's Magic Cat. Sunky Blue says five-star performance. Kating says increasing goal difference. Chris says Forza Le Cobham. And there's another one, which wasn't an official entry, but I'm entering it anyway via Emma Hayes, who tweeted... Uh, made in Cobham uh, after the game yesterday. So an honorary Emma Hayes entry on this one. Abdullah, what, what are you going for? I'm just going to go with Cobham comes through. Just I, feel, I feel like we our academy is just really kicking through and um, obviously spearheaded by Aggie Beaver Jones and, and sort of everybody in, and we'll talk about this later, but everyone's sort of like, well, why is she staying? And I think this is just proof. So... Um, great to see the the kids coming through, even though we we buy world class players to kind of supplement all of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I'm going 
a similar theme, but I'm going with kids are all right, just because I feel like obviously there's, you know, Aggie Beaver Jones is sort of the notable Cobham developee. I do think that like Laura James is definitely one of our own in the sense that she's a Chelsea fan. Sometimes I find it hard to like be like, yeah, she played with our under tens. Um, but you know, she's 22 years old and obviously Shrek and can get on the score sheet as well. Um, so yeah, kids are all right by me. Okay, let's take a quick ad break here and then we will come back and talk about the game itself. So 5-1 win in the end for Chelsea. Lauren James opened the scoring after 11 minutes before we sort of immediately managed to bundle in our own equaliser, Jess Carter own goal. Um, Aggie Beaver-Jones made it 2-1 in the 24th minute. And then in the second half, the game sort of just got away from Liverpool. Lauren James scoring in the 56th and 64th minute to get her hat-trick with Shukunuskan rounding it off in the 78th. Let's look at the teams because I think there were changes sort of reflecting that travel. Um, there's some interesting things to, to talk about here. So Zachira Musevic returned to, to starting goal. There was no Millie Bright in the squad at all. Marimielda paired Jess Carter. Eve Berese came back in for Ashley Lawrence. But of course, Neve Charles had to start too. Sophie Ingle was was in midfield to become the WSL record appearance holder with Shukunuskin and Aaron Cuthbert. And then it was Aggie Beaver-Jones on the right, Lauren James on the left, and Sam Kerr up top. Let's start, Abdullah, quickly by talking about Musevich back in goal because this was quite interesting to see. Molly Hudson wrote a piece in the week um, about Chelsea's goalkeeping union she spoke with Carly Telford and Stuart Searle about how Chelsea have sort of developed goalkeeping coaching some of the stuff they look at part of which was you know looking at um menstrual cycle and how that can affect like reaction times in goalkeepers uh, but I think also as well even beyond that there's because of the talk of travel you know the you know, wanting a goalkeeper to have, like, concentration. There's a lot of stuff in that piece about reaction time. So I think in light of that, it was interesting to see sort of Musevich coming back in, back in to start ahead of AKB. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I was expecting it. I thought I thought it would be the usual, like, one keeper's playing three, four, five, six games in a row, and then and then you bring it in if there's a mistake or two. But it was, it was, uh, it was, it was good to see Musevich back in for another, um, for another Stanford Bridge game. Um, it's interesting, and I think Musevich is probably benefiting from this. I feel like now that she knows that she has a real chance of being number one, and she's getting more and more trusted game time. Like she obviously played against Tottenham. She started the season. She's coming in this game. AKB's had a few games, and I think when you reference this piece with the the facts and kind of the explanations about how they combat the reaction times with the menstrual cycles and all that, it actually now everything makes more sense in terms of the way the keepers are rotated. And maybe that's why there is Hannah Hampton still at the club as well, because if anything needs to be rotated further down the line, when there are even more games coming up in a week and the schedule gets even more, then I can see Hannah Hampton starting to get a couple of starts and, and maybe playing a bit more of a key role in, in settling into this, this goalkeeper union. Um, so I think more so now than, than ever, I think having this uh, rotating cast of, of goalkeepers is fine and what i will say is i actually am finally starting to see that the changing goalkeeper is not really affecting the back line too much anymore and they're they're not really suffering from uh from like letting in more goals or less goals from like from like things where you would expect a maybe a more 
a consistent goalkeeper to have. Like, okay, so if you have a team that's playing one goalkeeper for, let's say, 20 games in a row, and then suddenly you bring in somebody else, you will have that sort of like uh, up and down moments in the game. But it, it now it feels like you can play AKB or Musevic, and the back line is like we can adjust to either or. Like, we're so used to playing with either goalkeeper. So I think finally at a stage where this rotation can happen without too much of a drop off in performance. Yeah, definitely. I think this was a match whereby at points the defence looked a bit stretched and and we can talk about that I think uh, as we we get into talking about the game itself but generally also Chelsea just had so much control on the ball um, that it felt like Musevic and everyone was very very comfortable I think Musevic made like one good save I'll say um, and then Eve Perisate sort of had to clear it off the line which was an amazing clearance um, but like honestly she didn't really have a huge amount to do um, let's talk about the players in, in front of her no Millie not in the squad at all Hayes saying this was just about managing load she's not injured she'll be back for Paris um, she said because there's three games in six days she's not injured she'll be back on Thursday we took a decision from a loading perspective particularly with the surgery she had pre-world cup and then played a world cup and then had two weeks off been playing 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 and now she's playing again I took the decision to offload her from her knee she doesn't like it she wants to be running around out there but I have to protect her against herself today and so we saw Marin come in instead of potentially Kadisha um, as, as the option there I thought uh, Marin took the armband as well. I thought her and Jess did look very composed for for large portions of the game, and I think again this is like the the Marinaissance that we saw last year. Obviously, came at a time when we needed her, but I think it's been so good to see her get back to a level whereby if Millie needs that time, that it can be taken. Because I feel like last year we weren't really in a position whereby we could afford not to have Millie playing. Um, and it's like really handy to be able to play like not an easy game. Like this isn't a Bristol or, or someone or a West Ham without her and just sort of feel confident in Marin's ability. But it is interesting, obviously, that Kadisha Buchanan feels very far, you know, down the list in terms of first choice centre backs. Do you think that's about partnerships potentially? Do you think there's a sense of like maybe Jess Carter isn't quite ready to sort of lead a defence with the more chaotic energy of Kadisha. Having someone like Marin there has a very similar, I think, vibe in terms of leadership to Millie. Do you think that that's an element or do you think just purely on quality right now, Marin's ahead of Kadisha? I think it's a bit of both. I think I think it's a good point you've raised here about the leadership qualities that Marin has when Millie's not on the on the pitch. Um, especially when you look at the rest of the back four and and, and I know Eve is is a bit more experienced in general, but um to the team has relatively only been there for a season, whereas Neve is, is completely new. And I think having someone of Marin's experience to kind of come in and help maneuver and lead that team, uh, I think really helps. Though so you could make the same argument for Kadisha having played in a Leon side uh, alongside like Wendy Renard and, and, and yeah, Amal Majri and Sam Basha. So um, I, don't, I don't think there's a lack of experience there in terms of leading a team. Um, and but I think I think really I think right now it is coming down to I think I would say sixty percent on quality and I think forty percent on the leadership part because I think Marin since last season the Marinaissance that that we talked about I think that's really been continuing on to this season and she's she's basically becoming another Sophie Engel going I think we can one more season of Marin and you know we move her on and then she just kind of suddenly does this like. Again, the whole thing of throwing it at right back last season against Man City, and then suddenly she comes back at centre back against Barcelona and does the same like that level of performance. Like 
who does that? How can you do that? It's, it's crazy. Uh, and she's continuing it on. I thought, I thought yes, Liverpool had moments where they stretched Chelsea's backline, but um, I thought she did really well. And I think Jess is in a point of her development where she, maybe she's not got the leadership in her right now. She's a bit more of the one that can run around and actually just playing generally really well. And I think if you playing her without that extra pressure of having to lead the back line, I think it's going well. Maybe in time, another year or so, you can probably start making her a bit more uh, of, of, of a leadership role in terms of, okay, fine. Let's just say, for example, there is a cup game and it's Anik Nawa and Jess Carter in the back line. Then you can probably see where she's at in terms of leading that, that back line. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think right now Marin is just probably up in the pecking order because of the uh, because of her uh, experience, and I think also she's just in better form right now. Yeah, the other sort of absentee from the squad was Yelena Chankovic. I haven't actually sort of seen anything about where she is, so that's obviously something to keep an eye on. Um, Let's look at some of the the stats from the game. So it did. It felt like quite a dominant Chelsea performance, to be honest. And the stats bear it out. So nineteen Chelsea shots to Liverpool's ten, ten on target for us, four for them, but an xG of three point two for us versus their zero point five. So sort of for all their shots on target, um, it wasn't exactly like a lot of high quality chances. We had sixty one percent of the ball. Uh, to their 39% and 80% pass accuracy. Six fouls to their 11. We got one yellow card to their two. We had no offsides, which is very rare for us. Nine corners to their two. Abdullah, what did you sort of make of just the general start of the game? Because I think the first 10 minutes or so felt like not like Chelsea were having a slow start, maybe, but like that they were working their way into the game. And I think what the feeling was for me was like Chelsea felt like they weren't in a rush. Yeah, um, they took it slow. They took it easy. I think playing at Stamford Bridge now, I think they're, they're used to the pit size because I think the frequency of them playing over there is becoming more and more and um, they're getting used to it. But but I think I think they've sort of realized now that they're in such good form maybe in, in these games where teams will maybe start to give up a little bit more space because the more you tire them out with control and the more they have to run around after the ball to some extent, the more chances Chelsea will have to kind of break down the break down the team. I mean, you look at that first goal and you can kind of see the spaces slightly opening up in those first 10, 11 minutes. And then um, obviously when Liverpool came back, it was, uh, it was, it was an unlucky, it was unlucky on goal, but yeah, no, I think, I think, just being able to control the game and, and being able to switch on when required, I think, is um, is super important. I think you can almost see that with the uh, with the starting eleven itself, right? Like when you have Sam Kerr, Aggie Beaver Jones, and Lauren James as your front three, so to speak, which has bursts of acceleration and movement and 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 can kind of switch on whenever they need to. It's much easier for them to kind of control games and be able to switch the. The ascendancy and, and kind of transition into 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 the final third quicker than probably um, any other front three. And obviously, you have Neve Charles coming in on the overlap on the left hand side that helps as well. But um, no, I, I think it was a very good controlled performance, and especially against a low block of of a back five that Liverpool had. I think it was almost smart to kind of see how they were how they were moving and how they were playing, and then make those breaks through to kind of open up the team. 
Yeah, let's talk about the front three because I think they all sort of had interesting games in their their own right. Were you surprised to see LJ on the left and Aggie on the right? I've got to say it worked to perfection, but it it took me by surprise. Um, I don't know whether it was sort of a reflection of the LJ was better placed to cut in from the left. Um, we obviously saw her score twice doing that like exact kind of cutting in movement or that Chelsea felt more secure on having LJ, giving LJ the freedom not to track back on Neve's side. But I did feel at points it was like a big ask on Aggie Beaver-Jones for her first start to be sort of protecting that right-hand side. What did you make of that? Yeah, it was it was quite interesting. And we have seen Aggie come on kind of in all three positions, right? I've seen it come up front, come up on the left, come up on the right. But I think based on the performance of the last game when she had that cameo, I think starting on, I think the right seems to be one where she's been a little bit more comfortable kind of making those runs up and down. And, and if you really look at it on the, on the right-hand side, I think her defensive responsibility was also in conjunction that uh, Shukaniskin was the one that was playing as the most advanced of the two midfielders. Aaron Cuthbert was anyway dropping back almost next to Sophie Ingle, so that protection was there for Lauren James on the on the left hand side and for Neve Charles. So I think Neve and Lauren just kind of putting on the you know the double pressure off on the left hand side was supplemented by Aaron kind of dropping in next to Sophie and kind of protecting it over there. Anyway, you have Jess Carter who's a little bit quicker, a little bit more defensive minded, can kind of kind of protect that area. So you caught that protection there. Whereas on the right hand side. Shuka can go up and down, but she was really attacking up next to Sam. Um, you have Sophie Ingle, who isn't the most mobile, and then obviously Eve Parise isn't the quickest player as well. And anyway, she's going to be tend to drop back. So it, it, in a way, I was like, maybe Aggie has defensive responsibility for sure, but it wasn't like she was completely left, have to be left to go back because Eve isn't going to be one to pushing up and overlapping around her. And I also felt like, with Liverpool playing a back five and kind of stretching out the, the wide areas, getting Lauren and Aggie to kind of cut inside from their respective sides to come in and play very close to Sam alongside Shukaniskin was almost creating like a 4v3 against Liverpool's three centre-backs and kind of playing in and around the space. You look at the way Aggie's goal comes, right? Lauren James kind of cuts in, takes it up on the left and crosses it in for Aggie to kind of cut through behind the centre-back and score the header. And I think that was the idea, just kind of, congest the middle and then you have Neve on the overlap to do her thing over there yeah definitely Taylor Hines had a bit of a tough day really I think um up against Agabiba Jones sort of in that left wing back position um so yeah Chelsea take the lead through a very nice uh ball out from Sophie Ingle to Lauren James who finishes very calmly from quite a tight angle everything around her finishing I thought yesterday was absolutely exceptional um but Liverpool hit back straight away. And I guess what was interesting about Liverpool's tactic in inverted commas was that they were basically lumping the ball long to throw back Shanice van der Sanden, who was playing in this front two with Sophie Roman Hogg. Um, obviously, Sophie Roman Hogg, like famously quite good in the air. So I think they wanted to sort of get the ball to try and stick to her, have Shanice run off the back of her. And I think we definitely saw at points early on that like we were quite open in those kind of situations. And I think this is why I was thinking about sort of Aggie and Lauren and and sort of how much defensive work they were able to do I don't think it was like they weren't, weren't doing enough defensive work I think there were just points where it was like everyone was still it was still like quite a new and different team and everyone was still sort of figuring it out and um, it really looked like Van der Sand had taken the ball too far and then she just put it into a dangerous area and it comes off Jess and, and, and bubbles in but I think 
even at that point, Abdullah, I didn't really feel concerned about scoring just because it felt like such a one-off from Liverpool. And I think knowing, seeing how much control we had of the game ahead of that, I just felt quite certain chances would, would come along and, and obviously they did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially when you're when you're playing a system that's basically a five three two, and okay, fine, they get the own goal, they kind of go through. As soon as that happens, you're like, well, how many more chances are they going to create, right? Because of the way the flow of the game was going, was that Liverpool were just sitting sitting back, playing it in midfield, trying to get it out to their wing backs, and you know, bringing it in, um, and and kind of going from there. I mean, I, I thought that Nagano would have a lot more. Of a uh, of control in the game, which she didn't. She almost felt a little bit isolated up in that midfield against Sophie Engel and Aaron and Shukaniskin. Um, and then Carrie Holland and, and Hovinger were, were kind of maybe a little bit wider, kind of protecting the, the wide spaces. Um, yeah, even after that first goal, I wasn't concerned. Like I, I I saw the way they were playing and they were just sitting back. There was no up until the second half when they brought on Missy Bocans and they tried to change the system a little bit. I thought that's when they started really showing some ascendancy and 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 playing a little bit better and getting a better foothold in the game, which probably if they had probably done that from the first half, maybe they would have generated one or two more chances. But based on that first half and the way when we when we were one one, I was like, it's fine. Like you know, this this team has found ways of scoring goals even when they're behind or or they you know they've 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 equalized other teams have equalized and that there's enough firepower on the bench to kind of come on now and and help to to change the game. If we look at the sub right, every single attacking player including, I'll take Ashley Lawrence as an attacking player from a fullback perspective, came on. It's just the goalkeepers and centre-backs that didn't come on. So the fact that we were able to bring these four or five players on and still score four or five, five goals is, uh, I think, is is huge and, and kind of shows that, you know, whatever the situation is early in the game, late in the game, we can change it around and, and continue to score goals. Yeah, definitely. I think it's... I think especially when you know you're sort of starting not a weaker 11, but yeah, as you say, so when you look to the bench and you've got even just like a player like Fischl, who is obviously like not someone currently where you're like, oh, Fischl come on, she'll score. But it's just knowing that you've got those like different presences and those different options, I think, makes stuff more relaxed. Um, although obviously we didn't need substitutes. Um, we took the lead. Pretty soon after, you, you referenced the goal already. Lovely ball from Lauren James and Aggie Beaver-Jones, first senior start for Chelsea, um, just sort of muscling her way beyond Taylor Hines, heading the ball down into the ground, really like nice focus on the technique there that the goalkeeper as a result just couldn't do anything about it. Um, four goals in her last four appearances. We I know we're basically touching on this every week, Abdullah, but... This was, I think it's just crazy that we've also feels like we've seen four totally different finishes from her. We've seen her do the tap in. We've seen her do the sort of 1v1. We've seen her curl it in from the edge of the area. And now this proper like centre forward headed goal. She's just, I think everyone knew she was like going to be good and she could have a role to play. But I feel like everyone's expectations have been totally smashed through by like the performances we're seeing her put in. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and and it just shows her range of ability to finish. I mean, that third goal was probably my favorite of the lot just because of the way she received the ball, took it on the outside. And it's I, I was telling somebody I was watching the game with yesterday, I was like, that is such an easy shot to miss and get it past the, the far post. And the fact that she perf perfectly placed it into the bottom right corner where 
you know, it's out of the reach of the keeper completely. And then it's also perfectly placed in the corner to go in. And it's not like it went off the post. Like it just went in. And her ability to control her run and, 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 and you know, speed up when needed, accelerate, decelerate, and just, it's just unbelievable. And I don't know, like every week we seem to be saying more and more things about Lauren James. And then it just kind of becomes, a, you kind of get to the point where you're like, what other, and you, the funny thing is you're like, she's already so good. How can she get better? And then there you, but you just know that there is still two, three, four levels to get in there. And I think you referenced it on one of your tweets saying that you were worried about her, her finishing and her scoring enough goals. But I think that's it. We just need to see her scoring more goals and maybe scoring more clutch goals like a Sam Kerr in maybe big games. And if she can start doing that consistently and giving us, let's say, even 15 goals a season. Now, I mean, I know we already have a world-class player on our hands, but that just adds a few more zeros to her value because how do you how do you buy that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just felt like both James and Beaver Jones just really showed a, a really clinical edge, I think, which from two two young players is, yeah, exactly what what you want to see. Um, LJ also saying after the game that, you know, she'd had a really tough time with Hayes announcing that she's leaving and that everything she wants to do this year is thankful to her. Um, it was a fantastic hat trick. I think her, yeah, her second goal in particular is just like an incredible finish. She made it look so easy um and to score from quite a, a similar area and then obviously the third one is is sort of well taken but um yeah you're sort of that was more almost like a normal goal as it were for for LJ I guess the only thing that like is interesting is her comments after the match gave me sort of this lingering sense of like oh like you remember like how much some of these players feel connected to Emma and you start to think Ah, like these are players who are going to have to like really deal with it and build a new relationship with whoever comes in. And I think there's that sort of slight sense of, of nerves you get from from that. Um, but let's take a quick break here. And, and when we come back, I want to talk about some, some of the other players that we saw on the pitch. So with all the sort of praise for LJ and Aggie, um, which is very much deserved, I, I want to have a little bit of a chat about Sam because Yash and I didn't really get a chance to, to talk about Sam's performances uh, against Real Madrid. Um, but we're having sort of some split opinions, I think, going on at the moment. Um, she missed uh, a couple of good chances, I think, in this game. Um, there was one where the goalkeeper palmed it out to her and she somehow managed to put it right over the bar, but it came at her very quick, to be fair, on, on the rewatch. And then one where she went through one-on-one -on -one and she sort of fired straight at Laws. But then some people are sort of saying, look, because she's being marked more, she's sort of dropping a lot and she's sort of doing more playmaker stuff. I think there's definitely an element where that's true, but I think also we're just going through a bit of a period where, which you sometimes get with Sam, I guess, right? Where it's just like, stuff doesn't click, but you kind of like, it will start to click again at some point. And, you know, she scored against Real Madrid as well. So uh, just like she did against Everton in a similar game where she wasn't really playing at her best. Do you think this is just a case of sort of like playing her into form? I thought it was interesting, you know, with the Hayes talking about, Hayes' words about Millie and having knee surgery and then playing a World Cup and not getting much rest sort of also apply to Sam in that, you know, she had an injury for almost the whole World Cup, but she comes back and, like, forces herself basically to play quarter, semi, third place match. Um, and then it's sort of straight back into everything with Chelsea. 
where where do you sort of stand on on where Sam's performances are are at right now? It's interesting. Yeah, I think I think you kind of said it there. It's it's. I don't know why we're not just giving Sam a slightly extended rest. And I know we need her, and I know it's there, but the team is flourishing even when she's not playing, and it's a good thing. Um because of the fact that she definitely looks tired she doesn't look fully fit and if we want her to be able to come in and play games that are quote-unquote more important as we get through the season then it becomes important that we rest her maybe this is linked to the fact fact that Fran isn't like if Fran was in a position I think to play 90 minutes consecutively I think we'd see Sam maybe rested a little bit more because if you're going to take out one world-class player, you kind of need the next one to kind of step in. And that's that's where, that's where Frank Kirby comes in. And I think it's managing both of their minutes equally that I think that becomes super important. Mia Fischl, I think, has proven already that she is well capable of stepping up and maybe not replicating the exact number of goals, but at least creating for players around her, I think, becomes super, uh, a super important aspect of the game. And that can help the team. I think the way she's she's just given Millie that rest, I think Sam is probably going to get that treatment soon. And again, I would much rather be resting your Millie Brights and your Sam Kerr's now and giving them less game time to get them fully up to speed than, uh, than I would later in the season. Now, obviously, there's an international break coming up sooner rather than later. It'll be interesting to see whether Sam goes or not. I would really hope that Sam doesn't go and, and just kind of sits in Cobham and just rests because... I mean, it's it's a tough ask. <laughs> it's a forlorn hope, I think. Abdullah. Yeah, I know it's a tough ask, but ideally, that's that's what it should be, right? Like you, if the national team, if if Tony Gustafson's not looking at and going, Sam is not one hundred percent. What is the point of him taking her, making her play 60, 70, 80 minutes across two, three games, flying to Australia, wherever, and coming back? Like it's just more traveling and more tiring for for Sam to be able to, to kind of do that. And then again, she, she's just not going to be 100% up to speed. So I worry a little bit and I just hope that we see Sam rested a little bit more and kind of given the care because a fully flowing... So we're going to need Sam Kerr. Like Champions League, quarterfinals, semifinals, we're going to need her to be running at 100%. And if she doesn't rest now, then I, I worry that she's going to pick up another injury and then we're going to have uh, some serious problems later. Yeah, I I think like I'm not really bothered in... <laughs> It's very tough to feel, like, I think, frustrated by Sam's performances. One, because I don't think she's ever, like, bad, per se. It's just sometimes she's not ruthless. And for all, you know, that she might add more to the game, I'm still like, oh, you kind of like her to see her score those two goals. But I think what's in a good position, and I think you can feel that even when she's on the pitch, is that at the moment I don't think she really feels, like, the pressure to score the goals. Um, And, you know, as we, as I say, it's the goal against Real Madrid was like very much sort of the the clutch kind of goal that you want to see Sam scoring. And similarly against Everton in a game where we look nervous, that's where she pops up and scores here. She doesn't need to. There's never really any point where it doesn't feel like we're going to score goals. She's, you know, it's easy for LJ to sort of take on that, um, to use her her skills and, and take on the goal scoring there. But I think it is an interesting one to, to look at. It's definitely, you can tell, I think, how much Kerr's role has changed um, at Chelsea over the past couple of years. It'd be interesting to sort of do a, um, you know, step back and do a longer look. But, you know, the the seasons where she was sort of scoring 20 WSL goals, I guess it felt like everything had to go through Sam. And I don't think we're in that position anymore. And I, I think that's, that is a better place to, to be in because also ultimately, like, even if teams are going to attempt to mark her, 
the more you've got threats elsewhere, it's making them think, okay, well, we can't put everything just on like focusing on Sam because we know there are other ways that this team can hurt us. Let's talk about Sophie. Obviously, she became the Women's Super League all-time appearance record holder yesterday. And she probably played her best game of the season. I don't know whether it was, you know, uh, the the importance of the day. Um, yeah, I don't know whether it was playing against a former team, but it just felt like... The way I described it to someone was it felt like she'd rediscovered she had hips because it just felt like suddenly where in the past she's maybe felt quite static in that midfield role um, at the start of this season. that It just felt like she sort of relaxed a bit more and took the time, but like not in a, you know, getting robbed of the ball way, but like to find those passes. And yeah, I don't know whether sort of having Erin and Shukunuskan on the pitch was like helpful in that sense. You had two real sort of terriers ahead of her doing like lots of the dirty work. But um, yeah, I was really impressed with her. Yeah, for sure. I was really impressed with her. And, and 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 I think it helped that you have two, like you said, two Terriers kind of running around doing all the dirty work for her. And she's able to kind of sit there and kind of play her natural game. I think we've always said it. If you pair Sophie with players or a player that that's able to do the running around her and do all of that work, she looks world class because she doesn't actually have to move that much in terms of doing the off-ball work. She can just kind of be free and move around at her own pace and control the game the way she needs to. Um, and what I was most surprised about was she was actually winning back transitions in midfield and kind of starting off counterattacks and counter presses. And I was like, is this just a confidence on the fact that she's got a sugar skin and Aaron Cuthbert to kind of cover her when required because they all just literally run for her all day. Um, but yeah, no, I was supremely impressed. Like you said, I think it was the best game of her season. You know, maybe the fact that it was her all time record um, appearance for in the WSL. That that helps, um, but uh, no, I I thought she was she was fantastic. And if, again, if we can get more Sophie Ingle performances like this, uh, then you know let's just keep signing Marin and Sophie to one one year contracts and keep them around because you know you you can't you can't go wrong with um, you can't go wrong with it. And like very quickly, like Erin looks like she's finally back up to some sort of fitness. That's eighty ninety percent there. And I thought she had around a really good game and um, managed to play a lot longer and a lot higher of an intensity. So that midfield is finally starting to click. Yeah, Erin Guthbert has been rocking my world recently. Um, I don't think she's been getting a lot of attention because I think, you know, there are players who maybe we more surprised by how well they've done. Um, you know, so they've kind of got the, the plaudits, but I think she's someone who's just really upped her level um as you say maybe finding that fitness having not really had much of a pre-season really getting into her rhythm um but I think against Real Madrid I thought she was really impressive I thought she was really impressive again today I thought she was great against Everton um we're seeing her play in any of those midfield positions and sort of excelling at whatever she's asked to do the only thing she's in the Jesse Fleming camp at the moment whereby um although Jesse kept missing sitters and then she scored whereas Erin keeps having these amazing like long-range shots and they keep like hitting the bar. We didn't have one. We didn't have one against Liverpool, but that's oh, she actually did try one, didn't she? She tried one. It basically where exactly where she scored against Spurs at Stamford Bridge. Um, yeah, but we need one of those to go in for her. Um, final person I just sort of want to shout out. Um, and have a quick chat about is is one of the subs, Johanna Rittenkanerid, coming on, getting two assists. Um. And I can't believe we're really that we're in a position where it's like when Canarid comes on, it's like, ooh, Canarid's coming on, rather than like, ah, oh, Canarid's coming on. 
Um, what do you think's changed for her this season? I feel like both assists were like prime Canarid, like where exactly where you want her. But it just feels like maybe it's a confidence thing. You know, I thought she had like a pretty decent World Cup and like starting for Sweden obviously was um, a big deal, I would guess, for her as it would for any player. Um, but it just feels like she's really, really come into her own this season. 100%. Like I've been so impressed and so happy with her performances so far. It's like this is the player that we signed last season to kind of make that difference and stretch teams and she just I think it's confidence. I think you're right. It all comes down to it. I think the fact that she she helps Sweden in a very in a very direct way and 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 kind of, you know, really contributed to their to their to their success of getting where they got to and being a key part of it, starting games there, I think gave her the confidence to come back at Chelsea and go, all right, cool, you know, I, if I can do it there, I can do it here. And I think credit to Emma Hayes, giving her that confidence of starting the first game or two, right? Giving her that thing, okay, you're you're going to start the season for me and I want you to go and do what you did over there. And now we're seeing these level of performances from Johanna Rittenkanerit where we're like, oh, she's coming on and like this is the difference maker. Like this is the kind of play that you need to bring in that different sort of profile. So when like you have Lauren or Aggie Beaver Jones coming on and starting games, you can then bring on a JRK and suddenly she's like running at players and going up against fullbacks and beating them in one-on-one one-on-ones and things like that. So in that sense, I think it's been it's been really good and I think just her decision-making and intelligence, I think in that final third now, I think that's another big change where that assist when she came on, the first one, last season, I'm 99% sure she would have just taken the first time cross and I think Taylor Hines would have would have blocked that. But in this game, the fact that she checked it back and then played the next pass after about a second of waiting for the right move, I think was was just pure genius. So I think that in itself was uh, was just the indication of her development in this team. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's just finish off talking about some of the comments that came out about scheduling and also some of them which were really complimentary about us. Uh, so shout out Tom Gary saying, Chelsea got home around 4 on Thursday, 4am that is, after playing Real Madrid and then faced the Saturday lunchtime Barclays WSL game. Yeah, they still have convincingly beaten a good Liverpool side. That's ominous for their rivals if they're not even close to dropping points in these circumstances. Agree. I thought we looked really good and we had no right to really look that good. Um, Hayes talked about this as well, saying, you know, for her, sleep is sort of the most important thing in the recovery process. Um, you know, that's something they really want to prioritise. And it's really hard when you're coming back really late and then you've got these sort of like early kickoffs and she's sort of making the point that Joan Zydeval made last year, which is that other feeling like other countries help do more to help their teams that are in the Champions League with things like scheduling in order to make it easier. So feeling like Spain, France, Germany do all help that out. Um, but so I think this is interesting. I don't know entirely how, like it's obviously very hard to say how much the, the other federations do help i mean for example i guess like there are other constrictions obviously in england like real madrid played their game against sociedad on the friday but like we were never going to be able to play on the friday because the continental cup exists and then like hayes referenced france but like for us playing early we now have more time to the paris game whereas paris fc for example play on sunday night so all of this stuff is like you're like trying to dice stuff up in different ways but i think there is Generally, it's a bit strange, Abdullah, that we were the only game on this Saturday. There wasn't Conti Cup 
you know, in the week, we were the only team playing midweek. It's not really clear, especially when the Champions League game is then on the Thursday, why we couldn't have been on the Sunday. That would have balanced out the schedule so much more. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. It's almost as if, you know what, we just want to you just want to give Chelsea as hard of a run in as possible and just see how far they can go and, and win it. But whereas other federations are giving their teams much more of a chance in Europe in, in midweek games, there was it could have been very easy to switch one of the games from today to to yesterday and and just let us play today at this time. I mean I don't I don't mind if it was you know, at the same kickoff time, just just play it now. Um, I don't know. I don't know how else this is gonna this is gonna happen because she's right. I mean, sleep is so important. You get like you know an hour less of sleep over time. It it's a huge effect on your on your day to day functioning of a of a normal person, let alone a, a professional athlete. Where rest and recovery is literally part of your job description, right? To be fit for the next game and for the next day. And when you have so many games in succession it becomes very difficult to then play at an optimal rate. And then you've got more games, more injuries, squads get stretched, and then you just don't get a good product. You get a decent product in the beginning, but then over the course of the season, it starts becoming more and more of an issue, you know? And with what seems like an international tournament practically every summer, um, it then just becomes tough for teams to be able to recover and play. And, you know, the after effects of the World Cup are still being seen in some players. We've talked about Sam. We've talked about Millie. And I'm pretty sure other squads and other teams are facing the same thing. But it it, it it doesn't help that Paris can play on a Sunday night after they played on a Tuesday, Wednesday. And, um, you know, Barcelona are playing right now and they played in midweek. So, like, you know, there is there is that balance of, like, where do you put these games? So, um, yeah, I'm surprised that they aren't um, – I'm surprised they aren't uh, able to do this – you know, better. Yeah, I mean, the Saturday lunchtime is absolutely ridiculous. I think also on a weekend when there's like a Manchester derby, you can make that the centrepiece game on the Saturday if that's what you want to have as during the men's international break. Um, but it is like, it is a, crazy, I think, in terms of thinking about how these games get scheduled. It doesn't feel like there's ever any consideration for the for the Champions League. And this is what Emma said again afterwards. All I'm asking is, don't we want an English team to try and progress in Europe? It's hard enough. The rest of Europe look at us and think the league doesn't even help them. It's something we should seriously look at. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if her comments make any difference. I suspect they won't, because as we know from across football, ultimately the broadcasters are king in all of this and they sort of pick and choose where everyone goes whenever they want. The good news, at least, is that it was a very, very comprehensive win and it's not really something that we have to be concerned about. I think it goes back to like what Tom Gary says. If I'm another team, that's what I'm concerned about, is that this is sort of a rotated, tired Chelsea side who made Liverpool just look non-existent. And, you know, I saw some people tweeting, suggesting maybe Liverpool were having a down day. In my opinion, good teams make other good teams look like they're having a down day. And I think that's what Chelsea did yesterday. Um, and I think, again, like we're, we're looking at performances where it feels like it's just very, very simple to 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 get beyond teams, to to put teams on the back foot and then to score the goals to to basically end, end the game early, which is effectively what happened. Um, I guess also we should just mention... Um, 
I wouldn't be able to go through this podcast and not mention. I'm so sorry to any Chelsea fans at Stamford Bridge who found it boring because we just win too easily. I know there are certain journalists who seem to think that the problems with attendances are because Chelsea are too good. Um, I personally will happily take the worst attendances if we continue to be that good. I think there are much more interesting factors behind that. I'm sure it's something we can come back and talk about more. But yeah, um, I don't know. Let's hope Chelsea are giving refunds because we won 5-1. Some teams in the league aren't able to do that, I guess. Um, Abdullah, let's finish off with player of the match. I'm going with uh, the, the hat-trick woman, LJ. I thought she was fantastic. And I'm so excited to see her getting back to this this level. Um, I hope this is something she can keep up consistently. I've got to say, I love how much she loves playing at Stamford Bridge. I felt like her previous best performance was against Spurs. Um, her maybe greatest moment in Chelsea shirt was winning the penalty against Leon. There's something about her that that ground, um, which I think really brings out the best in her. I think she's a player who likes the big stage, you know? Um, and yeah, I thought three fantastic finishes. Um, she had a really, really good game. And I actually thought against Real Madrid when she came on, she just added, I know some people feel like she's not necessarily always great at get off the subs bench. I think I felt like that in the past, but I think against, she just adds a different threat, you know, if she's putting those balls in, um, if she's taking those shots. And I think seeing her, shoot from the kind of position she was getting in on, on Saturday was really exciting to see. Uh, who's your player of the match? I'm going to give it to Johanna Ritten-Kanneret. I know she came off off of the bench, but two assists in, in that range of time and really someone that's kind of gone in and just changed the game and really affected it to that level, I think is is crazy and, um, and, and just kind of, again, testament to her development and slowly, low-key, I think has becoming one of our more important players um in the squad and I think this performance I mean I love Aggie Beaver Jones don't get me wrong we we all know this but like Aggie started off well had a really good goal and it kind of maybe faded away during, just before when she was coming off and then JRK comes in injects a whole different level of uh, of play and in, 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 on that right hand side and um I don't see how JRK isn't keeping that right hand side to herself until somebody displaces her so yeah, for me, just, just yeah, Johanna Ritten Canneret for sure. Wow, yeah, fair enough. Um, another good one. I just think loads of loads players had really good games. It's really exciting to see, and it gave a big boost to our goal difference. Um, we obviously played famously before everyone else, so by the time you listen to this, you'll know how the rest of the games went. Um, just at the moment, we're top of the league, obviously, and we'll still be top of the league after today. 19 points, goal difference of 18. Um, Arsenal can close the gap if they beat Brighton. We'll be interesting to see what happens in that United-City game. Um, a draw would probably be ideal for us, would put them both very, very far behind us at this point, early point already. Um, in terms of games coming up, Chelsea are back at the bridge on Thursday night, um, playing against Paris. Um, thinking of doing some drinks beforehand, for that game so if anyone wants to have a beer or a non-alcoholic drink or a different alcoholic drink that's not beer before the match um, I'm going to tweet something about that so keep an eye out for that and we can have a little meet up I think that'll be nice and fun then we are hosting Leicester on Sunday that's at King's Meadow then we're into the international break when we come back from that it's pretty tasty set of fixtures so it's Arsenal away straight off the bat 12.30 kickoff. God, I'm nervous and excited for that match. Then we've got Hecken at home, Bristol away, and Hecken away to send us into Christmas. Abdullah, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, I hope you have a lovely rest of your Sunday. Thank you very much. Hope you do as well.
All right, Chelsea fans, we will be back with you in the midweek after that Paris FC game. But until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Ooh.